every home in America has a Bible. But what did the historic church do before they had the Bible easily accessible to the common believer? That's what we're going to talk about today on the Orthodox Christian Hour and how the Bible is treated by Orthodox Christians today. Welcome to the Orthodox Christian Hour. The Orthodox Christian Hour is brought to you by St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall, in the University Town Center area of La Jolla. In a moment, the pastor of St. Anthony, Father John Braun. But first, a bit about Father John. The son of a Presbyterian minister, Father John spoke to literally thousands of college students all across the U.S. and Canada as he worked with Campus Crusade for Christ. Later, he would join seven other courageous evangelical Protestants involved with Campus Crusade who risked stable occupations and security in a search for the historic church founded by Jesus Christ. Amazingly, all came to the same conclusion that the historic church exists today in the Orthodox Christian Church. Father John, as you will hear, is a gifted speaker and authority on Old and New Testaments. His journey has included being director of the Department of Campus Ministry for the Archdiocese and starting many new churches through his work in the Archdiocese Department of Missions and Evangelism. In 1994, he was the founding pastor of St. Anthony Orthodox Church in La Jolla. Today, the Orthodox Christian Church is the second largest Christian church in the world with over 300 million members worldwide. visit to a Christian bookstore is astonishing if you go to the Bible section. There are scores and scores of Bibles, as a matter of fact, and we'll be talking about this a little bit today. There are dozens of Bibles that we call study Bibles. Now, I'm not suggesting that these aren't valid for a, for a moment. As a matter of fact, I think there is great value to a study Bible. I, as a matter of fact, grew up on one of the first real study Bibles. Oh, we called it the Schofield Reference Bible, but we, and we didn't really understand what a study Bible was in those days, but we surely did know what a Schofield Reference Bible was, and many of us used those notes in the Schofield Bible uh, to prepare our Sunday school lessons and our sermons, and it was used by literally millions of English-speaking peoples, and it has had a profound impact but today, there are just scores of study Bibles, and the Schofield Bible, even though it's gone into a revision, isn't used that much anymore. But what did the church do in those centuries gone by when Bibles weren't available? You know, if you'd have gone back to the year 700 A.D., the average Christian walking the street in the city of Antioch or the city of Alexandria in Egypt or Rome, they simply would have not had Bibles and they wouldn't have had Bibles in their home. As a matter of fact, if a church had a Bible that was complete, the total text of the Bible, that was considered uh, sufficient and that was all that could be done. Oh, the monasteries had Bibles and there were, there were scholars that had Bibles, but the Bible was simply not available to the average Christian. What did they do? Did they ignore the Bible? Not ignore it. As a matter of fact, there were some things that were done then and perhaps need to be done now in addition to our study Bibles and our many, many translations of the Bible and versions of the Bible. There were things done then that perhaps need to be done much more now. For one thing, there was a great deal of scripture memorization. You know, I love scripture memorization. We look back on our childhood, don't we? And most of us, at least hopefully, had a really good childhood. Well, I happen to be one of the fortunate. And I had a really good childhood. I can never remember a time in my life 
when scripture memorization was not important in my home. As a matter of fact, from the time I was in the seventh grade on, scripture memorization occurred every single day. Now, when I say every single day, I mean every single day. But it was a fun part of the day for me. Some of the things that were done as far as family devotions weren't all exciting to me, but the scripture memorization was I could whip my parents. And by the time I finished high school, I had put away at least some 500 verses from the Bible by heart, chapter and verse, word perfect. And I suppose by the time I was 30 years old, I had memorized somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand or two thousand verses of scripture. As a matter of fact, there were many chapters of the Bible I knew by heart. There were actually even books of the Bible, of the New Testament, that I essentially knew by heart. The church throughout her centuries has stressed the memorization of scripture. Now, how did that come about? Well, in many ways, it came about through singing it. And in Orthodox Christianity, much scripture is sung. As a matter of fact, at the, at the vesperal service, that is the evening service of worship every night, of the year virtually, psalms are sung, and the same psalms are sung. And those psalms are soon put into the memory, the long-term memory. And at the morning service, matins, there are six psalms that are sung, and those psalms also go easily into the memory. The church sang her hymns, and not only did they sing them in those services, but the hymnody of the church was so saturated with scripture that people would memorize it. And we are still singing those same scriptures, those same hymns today. And so the essential learning of many Christians throughout the 2000 years of the church has been learning that took place through the memorization of scripture, particularly in the hymnody. Now today, Rather than so much scripture memorization, many Christian people just carry their Bibles and or a New Testament, uh, uh, maybe a, a New Testament in a purse or the back pocket or something like that, and easy access to scripture. We have so many Bibles, and I'm certainly not suggesting that we haven't made some advances. It is so good that we have access to scripture. And as a matter of fact, today... Uh, we're going to have an interview with a friend of mine, a scholar, as a matter of fact, Father Jack Sparks, who has spent many years of his life studying scripture and, as a matter of fact, is putting out, not just for Orthodox Christians, but Christians of all stripes, he is putting out, he is the editor-in-chief of what we call the Orthodox Study Bible Project. He has already succeeded in putting out the Orthodox Study Bible for the New Testament. That was done by Father Jack Sparks and his St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology. Now, there were many people that helped on that. It wasn't just one person who did this. And now the Old Testament is being prepared for the Orthodox Study Bible. And so, in a matter of just a, a couple of years, the entire Orthodox Study Bible, Old and New Testament, will be out. And today, I have the opportunity to share with you Father Jack Sparks, the Dean of St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology. You're listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour featuring Father John Braun. Now, many times uh, people ask Orthodox Christians, what do you believe about the Bible? As a matter of fact, the implication is, is that you folks couldn't possibly believe in the Bible. You do all this liturgical stuff and, and all this rote worship, and it, it couldn't be real. And of course, you're not biblical Christians. You're not a Bible-believing Christian. Well, I want to tell you folks, Orthodox Christians are Bible-believing Christians, and you're going to believe it when we're through today as we talk with Father Jack Sparks. Now, I met Father Jack Sparks many, many years ago, back in probably 1964, or maybe even a little earlier than that, when he and I both were working with Campus Crusade for Christ. He was a professor at Penn State University. He has a doctorate in statistical analysis from the University of Iowa. And 
I was very impressed then with his evangelistic zeal, but I was also impressed then with how he viewed the Bible. Now, Father Jack, we're going to find out a little bit about you today, and I want you to meet these folks on the Orthodox Christian Hour. First of all, uh, where do you come from? I come from Indiana. I'm a farm boy from Indiana. I uh, was born in, on a farm in Boone County, Indiana. Now, <clears throat> Father Jack, you grew up in Indiana. What was your, what was your spiritual experience growing up? Uh, I went to various little country churches and ended up actually in high school going to a Methodist church in Pittsburgh, Indiana. Now, when would you say you really came into uh, what, what we might call a really vital relationship with Christ? I would say it was much later. My, now, you were in the military, weren't you? Yes, I was. After I got my master's degree at Iowa, I got a bachelor's at Purdue, I got a master's at Iowa, and uh, I went to teach school out at Tama, Iowa, where the in, Indian Reservation, the Sac and Fox Indian Reservation is, and I got drafted out of that the first year in November 51. You're that old? Well, my that's My goodness, what... I didn't know anyone who's <laughs> left on earth that old. Then you did what? Now we're after your spiritual experience, your spiritual pilgrimage here, because people want to know about that. that, that, This enters into that. Because I got drafted, I went to OCS, Army Officer Candidate School at Fort Riley, Kansas, and was sent to Medical Field Officers Training School in Fort Sam Houston, Texas. And I got some pains. They diagnosed me as having cancer. And I ended up in Brook Army Hospital, which is on the base. And a, a pretty little nurse there, Lieutenant Esther Bowen, attracted my attention. <laughs> and uh, we were married in about six months, maybe less. And when we were married on April the 11th, 1953, things began to happen with me because my wife had had some Christian experience. Now, she grew up on a ranch in eastern Montana, out in the dry country, on a ranch on the Muscleshell River, 40 miles from the nearest road. But people from uh, rural Christian uh, children's fellowships of some kind would come and get the, pick up the kids to take them to summer camp. And she got some there, and then when she was in nurses' training, someone took her to a church, an evangelical church, and she attended there, and and her heart was moved. And so she began to work on me. And Well, I bet you were a case. Yeah, very tough one. We... uh, we went back to Indiana. The Army transferred me to Camp Atterbury, and then she got discharged, and she was there. And I was the commanding officer of the medical detachment of the 106th Engineer Battalion of the 31st Division, the, the Dixie Division. And the Army suddenly decided that they were going to transfer the Dixie Division to Camp Carson, Colorado. Well, we went there. And all this time, my wife's working on me. We had a little boy by then. And in uh, June of 1954, I was discharged. And we went, we moved to Illinois. And I had a job teaching school at Franklin Park, Illinois, Biden Community High School. But we got a place to live, an apartment in Bensonville, Illinois. And there was a lady who was in, an, in that apartment uh, when we went to look at it that invited us in to have lunch with her. You can imagine that. Here's this lady who's going to move out of this place, and we're going to rent it, and she invites us to have lunch with her. So we did, and she moved up on the top floor. And then a couple days later, she comes downstairs, and she says, I don't know where you're going to go to church on Sunday, but uh, if you want to go to church to learn about the Lord, go to Bensonville Bible Church. <laughs> and so, well, I wasn't going to have anybody who'd been so nice to me so think I wasn't going to go to church. So we went to Bensonville Bible Church. And it was in Bensonville Bible Church that I had 
a real encounter with the Lord. And I, I was baptized there. Hmm. Now, I had been sprinkled, actually, mm-hmm. back as a Methodist, but I, I didn't realize that even counted. But, you know, I sure felt this counted. And you would mark this as a really significant turning point in your oh, spiritual yes. life. Very significant. Now, Father Jack, <clears throat> you went on and picked up a doctorate, and uh, you became a college professor. Where did you teach? Well, first I taught at uh, what was then known as Colorado State College. That's in northern Colorado, and it is now uh, the University of Northern Colorado. Mm. I taught there for uh, three or four years, and then I got a job offer at Penn State. And I, at Colorado State College, University of Northern Colorado, I had established a Department of Applied Statistics, and I had established a bureau of research at penn state they wanted me for that reason Mm -hmm. to teach statistics and to lead a certain research laboratory so went to penn state and there (laughs) we went to a christian mission area alliance church some of you know about christian missionary alliance churches they sure are bible believing and uh course i had while at in greeley colorado where i was teaching uh, i had met some people from campus crusade for christ i'll never forget when a man named john flack came through there to speak and he was really a strange being and sometime father john can tell you about him but i'm gonna tell you i had a good time there with young people you were the sponsor of that campus crusade group yes as a matter of fact uh on a certain day in 1960 two men came to my house and they asked me if i'd be the sponsor of campus crusade for christ on that campus and i said no and one of them who is now father richard Ballou, in the orthodox church said later it's a wonder lightning didn't strike twice on that day. First when you <laughs> replied, and second on us on the way back. <laughs> but a few weeks later, I was the sponsor of Campus Church Aid for Christ on that campus, and uh, we really worked with a lot of young people. Now, when you went to Penn State, did you start the Campus Crusade for Christ work there? Yes. And, and didn't you, as I recall... You had a rather sizable group of of students at Penn State. We had the largest group, largest Campus Crusade for Christ group uh, in the East. And that was was a wonderful experience to me. Now, I told the folks, you know, we're going to get to the Bible here, but I want them to know who's talking to them about the Bible. after you were at Penn State, you went on, you went on, you resigned there, and you went on the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ. That's right. After you left uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, you went up to Berkeley. That's and, right. And, and uh, you did one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. You you, you uh, started a thing with several other fellows called the Christian World Liberation Front, and uh, you were the radical Christian influence in the radical era at Berkeley. The funniest thing I remember, some of the folks listening to this will remember the Radical Students for Democratic Society. If I'm not mistaken, you picketed the Students for Democratic Society. And all kinds of other groups. And I mean, you cannot imagine how many radical groups we picketed. And we picked up people, radicals, students, and street people. And they became part of our group there, and we had quite a group of young people become Christians on that campus. And I used to have a Monday night meeting at my house. People would come, they would go up, they would be sitting all throughout the lower floor, they'd be up the stairway, and they'd be outside the windows looking in and listening. And we would teach the Bible there. As a matter of fact, that was what I did. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, and when when the radical era sort of died away, uh, you're one of the few people I've ever known who closed your organization down. Mm -hmm. 
But now, Father Jack, today you are an Orthodox priest. Now, how on earth do you go from a little Methodist church in rural Indiana uh, to Bensonville Bible Church and now be the dean of St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology in Sacramento, California, which is what you do now. And I'm going to tell them a little bit about the main project that you were on now. How did you get to where you are now? How did you become an Orthodox Christian and why? Well, no sooner had I closed this down and begun a little church with some of those people that we had reached than some other men that I had known in Campus Crusade for Christ came to see me. Two other men, the Richard Ballou that I told you about before and Father John Braun, whom I had met some years before at Penn State because we'd had him there to speak to students. But Richard Ballou, John Braun came to me and they said, you know, we've got these groups here and in Santa Barbara where we are and our guys the guys that we knew have got groups started all over this country and we need to do something for them but we've got to make sure that they land in a really good place we need to put them in a place that will be in which they'll be right in the middle of what Christianity has been from the beginning so we began to study together. We studied from 1973 until 1977. We decided in 76 we were going to start a school. And we, we had by then decided that, you know, orthodoxy is the right way because we had studied the history of the church. We'd gone back to the beginning. And so we decided... All that we were going to name our school the Academy of Orthodox Theology. And in June, in April 1977, my wife and I and our youngest son moved to uh, Santa Barbara, to Isla Vista, the little suburb of Santa Barbara where the University of California at Santa Barbara is located. Now, you're listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour, and I'm Father John Braun, and we're interviewing Father Jack Sparks. Father Jack is the dean of the St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology, and I told you up front that the main point of what we would be doing today is to talk about how the Orthodox Christ, how Orthodox Christians view the Scriptures. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the project that Father Jack is working on. Uh, we made a pilgrimage to, to Orthodoxy, to Orthodox Christianity, uh, which was consummated in 1987. But uh, the project that Father Jack is on now has to do with the Bible. Father Jack, tell us what you've already done, what you're doing now, and why you are doing this. Well, the first thing we did... We started in 1989, and we did an Orthodox study Bible, New Testament, and Psalms. But we had in mind that we would do the Old Testament, and we had questions year after year. When are you going to get the Old Testament into this? And finally, in the beginning of 98, we decided we would. Now, that required something more than you might imagine because I'll take you way back. I'm going to take you way back before Christ. I'm going to take you back to 270 B.C. About now, two, you were alive then, I think. Not me. <laughs> now, you might have been, but it wasn't me. But I will tell you one thing. At that time, the ruler in Alexandria, the ruler of all the area which included Palestine and Syria and Egypt, much other, had one of his librarians come to him from the great library of Alexandria. That's in and, Egypt. Mm -hmm, and he said, you know, we need a Greek translation of the scriptures. 
because most of the Jews who don't live in Palestine don't know Hebrew. As a matter of fact, most of them know Greek as primary language. Most of the people around the Mediterranean by then knew Greek. And so he said, somehow you need to take the lead. Well, Antiochus Epiphanes decided he would take the lead. And so he sent to Jerusalem for a group of Jewish rabbis who, know, who knew both Hebrew and Greek. And he set them up to start on the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. See, we know those books. <laughs> and so they started translating. And before all was over, the whole of the Jewish scriptures were translated into Greek. It has been called the Septuagint, the 70th, because there were 70 scholars brought from Jerusalem to do this work, either 70 or 72, but they called it the 70th, the Septuagint. Now, Father Jack, this uh, Septuagint uh, translation was done, this translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, the whole Old Testament as we yes. know it today, the true, the whole Old Testament, that was all translated into Greek. Now, and that is the Bible. Uh, those of you who are listening uh, today to the Orthodox Christian Hour, you need to know that the, the Orthodox Church actually uses that Septuagint translation. Now, why is it so terribly important? Since many scholars today sort of belittle the Septuagint, there was one major person in the history of all the world that used the Septuagint. There were actually several, but you tell us who they are. Well, I will tell you who. You see, when Christ came... That Bible had circulated all around the area, and it was well-known and heavily used in Palestine. And when the New Testament began to be written, that is, when these disciples of Christ and Paul and had begun to write the New Testament, they quoted from the Septuagint, because they knew it. And I'm sure that Christ had quoted from it to them. Because most of the quotations in the New Testament from the Old Testament are from the Septuagint, the Greek edition, that old, that old translation into Greek. You know, folks, this kind of makes me smile because, you know, almost all of us have heard the story about the, the lady that loved the King James Version of the Bible and, and said, well, if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. And everybody laughs because uh, the King James Version of the Bible didn't exist for Paul. But when we say if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. Or if it was good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for me because Paul and Jesus were aware mm -hmm. And certainly St. Paul in the New, most of the quotes, am I not correct? That's in right. the New Testament, from the Old Testament, come from this translation. Now, we don't believe it's the only legi legitimate translation of the Bible. But it is important that we have this same Bible that the writers in the New Testament had at their disposal as the Holy Spirit guided them. That's right. The whole church had that as its Bible for a long time. The church, the Christian church, had the Septuagint as its Bible. You see, there wasn't a New Testament yet. And for a long time, there wasn't a New Testament. And as these books began to be written, these New, New Testament books, then they got added by the people of the church. And a little bit here, a little bit there. But the Old Testament, the Septuagint, was still the Bible of the church. And with it, of course the growing New Testament. And folks, when he says that it, these books were added by the church, you need to know that is how it happened. That's right. It, they just didn't float out of the sky. Yet we believe the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe they are God-breathed. But the decisions that were made as to what, uh, what would be included in the New Testament, these decisions were made by the church. Right. They just didn't sort of happen. Uh, they actually 
came about as decisions were made within the Christian church. Now, Father Jack, what are you, why do you want to do an Orthodox study Bible? And what are you doing in this Bible? What, what, what value would it be to our listeners? Well, first of all, this Old Testament was the Old Testament that the fathers used. The fathers of the, the church. Who? The fathers of the church. The, the ancient ones, St. John Chrysostom, uh, St. Athanasius. You don't know these St. Augustine. They, everybody knows him. Augustine, you know. Uh, maybe you also know John of Damascus. Or Gregory of Nazianzen, Gregory of Nyssa. Uh, and, and even more importantly, perhaps for our listeners, the people that the apostles taught. That's right. The people that Peter, James, and John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, etc., the people they taught, they used this, they used this Bible. For those of you who may have tuned in late, you're listening to Father John Braun and the Orthodox Christian Hour. Father John is pastor of St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, three blocks north of UTC on Genesee. people to understand the scriptures and you but you want to understand them from the point of view of historic Christianity that's right and so this Bible began began to be and continued to be the Old Testament of the church as a matter of fact there wasn't any other edition used by the church until after 400 Jerome translated from the Hebrew extant in his day the the Old Testament and that was somewhere around the year 400 and that slowly seeped into the West he translated it in Latin into Latin listen because he did not translate it into Greek and so it didn't have any currency at all in the East but it slowly seeped in in the West and the West began to look more and more to the Jews for their Old Testament. But in the East, they continued to use the Septuagint. Now, Father Jack, if I'm not mistaken, too, 
You really do believe. Uh, you believe the Bible is the Word of God. Well, you, you believe that it, it is God breathed. Mm -hmm. uh, you believe it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and yeah. you believe it's indispensable to Christian living. What you are after, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, to help people who are bewildered by the innumerable uh, interpretations of Scripture. What you're interested in doing is to let people understand what those who were at the very foundations of Christianity taught. And when you say Orthodox study Bible, this is not just this isn't for just Orthodox Christians, is it? No, no, it 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 is a study Bible that is Orthodox because the Orthodox still use it, but it's for anybody. Uh, everybody, every Christian. If they want to know what the early Christians That's really right. believed, if they want to know what the Christians of the first four, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth centuries, when they were dying, uh, especially in those first three centuries as martyrs, these were the scriptures that they believed in, and, and this was their understanding of those scriptures. No, we're not putting down any modern translation. No. But your notes in the Orthodox Study Bible... And by the way, I think I heard you say recently you have something like 80 people mm -hmm. uh, that have worked with you yes. on this to help people understand how ancient Christians, many of whom died as martyrs, uh, how they understood the scriptures rather than uh, what I might have thought of this morning at my devotions. That's right. Because when we set out to do this, to make this available, I knew we had to have a lot of translators and we had to have a lot of note writers and that they had to write from a certain perspective. They had to write from the perspective of the early Christians. And so we, cons we gathered them. We went looking across the country, across North America for people to work on this. And we got them. We have more than 70 workers on this project, and we are thrilled with the work they have done because they have stuck with, with what we said needed to be done. And we have a translation of this Greek Bible, Old Testament, and we also have notes written by by the, what? The people of the early years in the church. Now, uh, I want you to know you're, you're listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour, and we're talking with Father Jack Sparks from Sacramento, California, the dean of the St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology. And you also need to know that this study Bible that he's talking about is available. It's available in many of your Christian bookstores. It's available, and if it isn't there, ask them to get it. It's published by the Thomas Nelson Publishing Company, the largest Bible publisher in the entire world, uh, and, and it's available from then. And you can get it at St. Anthony Orthodox Church as well. Uh, as I see this in many ways, Father Jack, what is being done here is Christians... Bible-believing Christians mm -hmm. all over America are just besieged by all kinds of interpretation of Scripture. Right. What you're adding is another level of interpretation, but you're taking it way down from the foundation. That's right. We're going down to the very beginning and to those who wrote in the earliest centuries. And there we are with all of this. And I'll tell you something else. This Bible includes those books that Martin Luther and those who succeeded him labeled the Apocrypha and separated from the rest of the scriptures. But this has them in it and has, has interpretations from, I'll tell you something else, those books were used by the disciples of Christ when they did their writing you will find them reflected in the New Testament if you read carefully. and Even that, quoted in some places. Yes, mm -hmm. quoted, actually mm -hmm. quoted. Now, <clears throat> Father Jack, I want to ask you a question because this is really serious. Many people who have a little bit of knowledge of Orthodox Christianity, uh, and, and when we say Orthodox Christianity, folks, we're just Christians, that's all. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just come from a very, very ancient strain. Uh, I mean, like... Uh, uh, our, the, we come from Antioch mm -hmm. and we actually come from before that but I mean when Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch that's the Antioch we're talking about 
But now, when you mention these these uh, early writers and these these fathers of the church, I hope that you aren't equating those with scripture, for goodness sakes. Oh no! But they interpreted this very scripture. Oh, just like maybe Bible teachers today. Yeah, only more so. <laughs> because the difference was in their day, everyone agreed with them in their interpretations, That's right. which is why they are called fathers. Mm -hmm. Because there were many people teaching in those days who weren't called fathers oh, of the yeah. church and who specifically are excluded from the list mm -hmm. because they had weird interpretations and even heretical mm -hmm. interpretations. Right. And these that you're including are people where the entire Christian church, all of Christendom in that era, they all essentially agreed that this is what the Holy Spirit meant when those scriptures were given. That's right. That is exactly right. And, and it, people can read that today? Yes. In your study Bible? Yes. Absolutely. Um, I, I just cannot imagine having a tool at my disposal that's that good. If I were a pastor of a local congregation, I'd want to know that because I want to know what... I, I, I think I have an idea what Peter, Paul, James, and John, and Jude, uh, I, I, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I, I have a good idea of what they, what they had to say. But I also want to know what those who, whom they taught, I want to know how they understood what they were taught by the apostles and on down. That's right. And, and you know, those are, <laughs> we quote them. And as a matter of fact, these are these people that they taught were really important in the history of the church. I'm, I, you know, I can't help when I talk uh, uh, about these things. I can't help but think of Saint Ignatius of Antioch, the man who became the head of the church in Antioch in in the nineties, and who was martyred in Rome in 107 A.D. And I'll tell you something about Ignatius. He wrote letters. He was being taken from Antioch to Rome to be eaten by lions in the big Colosseum in Rome. And you know, along the way, he wrote letters to the churches that he knew. He knew, he best knew. And... In case you wonder, you can read those today, too. But and you've even done an edition of those, I oh, think. Oh, yes. yes. And as a matter of fact, I did a, a But they're CD. not scripture, are they? Oh, no. Okay. No, no, no. So make sure. He quotes scripture and he follows scripture, but they're not scripture. Hmm. They're just the writings of a deeply pious Christian who read the Bible and who understood what was there and who wanted people to live according to the scriptures and with whom virtually everyone else in Christendom, Christendom at that time agreed and for hundreds and hundreds of years subsequently that's right mm -hmm. Father Jack uh, there's a few other things I'd like you to, to tell us about before we have to go uh, this is the Orthodox Christian Hour and I am Father John Braun from St. Anthony Orthodox Church in San Diego and we're interviewing Father Jack Sparks from the St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology. And Father Jack is the project director. He's not only the dean of the academy, but he's the project director for producing uh, the entire uh, Bible, uh, study Bible, an Orthodox study Bible to be published, uh, the entire thing to be published by the Thomas Nelson Publishing Company. I don't think that actually hits the, the bookstores until 2005. That's right. But you're in the process. But what mm -hmm. I want you to tell our listeners, tell us how you feel personally, you, Father Jack, how do you feel about the Bible? What are your personal oh. feelings about the Scriptures? Listen, I... I am absorbed by what's in the scriptures. I can never get enough. It is the this is what God has taught his people beginning from beginning from Adam and Eve. What he taught them, what he taught Noah, what he taught Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, what he taught all of those through the years of the Old Testament, what he taught to his disciples and what has been taught in the church in all the years and this is the truth 
And this is the truth concerning God and man. It's the truth about us. And so I cannot let that go. That has to be known by everybody. People need to read the Bible, and they need to understand it, and they need to know how Christians understood it in the earliest days. I love what you say, Father Jack, because it's so often today. Now, I'm not implying that Bible teachers today are necessarily wrong. The thing that's different about Bible teaching today and Bible teaching about the times you're talking about is that there's so much controversy about what Scripture means today. And people divide up into camps and they split and they divide. And, and we have a, you know, a minimum of 2,500 denominations in America today. I mean, by anyone's count, there are at least 2,500. That didn't exist in this period of time you're talking about where the, the interpretations you are bringing to light in the Orthodox Study Bible are. And that people can at least need to access this. And especially people who teach Sunday school classes, pastors, Christian workers, they need to have access to this yeah. because these are the roots. You know, it was just a few weeks ago, uh, I was visiting with a, uh, actually, I was at choir practice. I often go to choir practice at my parish, not because I sing well, but because I want to let them know I support them. And a man walked in, sat down, and listened to the practice. And then immediately afterward, uh, I approached him and, and uh, we visited. He said, It was so good. To sit here tonight. God sent me here. He said, I'm a teacher and a worship leader in a church up in the north part of the county. But what I heard tonight was the roots. I heard the roots of mm -hmm. my faith. And that is so crucial. Well, Father Jack Sparks, thank you very much for being with us on the Orthodox Christian Hour. I anticipate that we'll have you back. And especially as the time approaches when Every single person in America has access to the entire Orthodox study Bible. Now, the text, folks, will be just, uh, it'll just be another translation mm -hmm. of the scriptures. There are right. scores of them out today. Uh, and, but the unique thing about this one is there are differences when the, the translation that was made from Greek. Now, the Father Jack, the oldest total manuscript we have of Hebrew, the oldest complete manuscript of the Old Testament in Hebrew is from what century A.D.? Probably from about 1,000. It's called the Masoretic Text. Masoretic Text. Now, we have many fragments, and we have books, mm -hmm. and the Dead Sea Scrolls, and all this kind of stuff, but... People think that, well, we just sat down and read the, the Greek uh, and, and the Hebrew that, that just came out of the, uh, you know, almost off the pen of the writers. No. It, it, so the thing that will be unique about, the, about this translation, as far as the text is concerned, is that this text goes back to the third century BC. That's right. And, and so it's the oldest complete text of mm -hmm. the Bible, I think, is it not? Yes. Uh, of the Old Testament right. that is available, even though, it, no, it was not written originally in Greek. It was written in Hebrew and then translated into Greek. So this is a marvelous tool. That's right. And, you know, even though there are these small changes, and you, you'll see them indicated, the Bible is essentially the same from one generation to the next. And the central facts are there but you know the jews did change their scriptures somewhat by a thousand a.d well this hasn't changed since it was written you know that's the marvelous thing about it father jack i i can tell just listening to you that you love the scriptures i love the scriptures and for the sake of our listeners let me give a, a quote from the scripture to tell you how we really feel about it it is a quote from saint paul all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thank you, Father Jack, for being with us. Thank you. I hope you plan to tune in next week to the Orthodox Christian Hour because there is a very special treat in store. Next week, we will have the opportunity to interview Father Peter Gilquist. Father Peter is the head of the Department of Missions and Evangelism for the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America. 
He has been an active Christian leader for his entire adult life. He has been responsible for the planting of scores and scores of churches in the United States, in North America, as a matter of fact. And he has had opportunity to minister in countries around the world, including some very delicate times in the Middle East. I want you to tune in next week and have the opportunity to see what God is doing in terms of missions and evangelism in the 21st century in the historic church. You will be encouraged to hear the work of God in this regard. You've been listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour, brought to you by St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall, just three blocks north of University Town Center on Genesee. St. Anthony is a parish of the Orthodox Christian Church worldwide, the second largest Christian church with over 300 million members. Father John can be heard each Sunday, noon to one, on KPRZ, and you're cordially invited to hear Father John in person Sundays, 9.30 a.m. at St. Anthony Church. We'd love to hear from you. Call St. Anthony at 858-458-0992 or simply go to our website for directions. Our website address is orthodoxchristianhour.com. We welcome your support for this ministry. Contributions can be sent to St. Anthony Orthodox Church 4321 Eastgate Mall, San Diego. That zip code is 92121. If you'd like to know more about the Orthodox Christian Church, simply send us a letter or email and we'll be happy to send you a complimentary brochure. As always, thanks to all of you for being with us today on the Orthodox Christian Hour. And now, Father, give us your blessing. May the blessing of the Lord and His mercy come upon you through His grace and love for mankind always, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.